Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we're live. I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest. On today's show, I interview a mentor, an investor, strength and leadership coach, a podcast host, and CEO of The Strong Coach, where he teaches coaches how to stand above the noise of the fitness industry. Welcome to the winner's circle, Mike Bledsoe. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on. There's a lot of chaos going on in the world right now. Um, so I try to keep this podcast positive, light, full of inspiration, empowerment. So let's start on a really, really bright note. What do you love about your world right now, Mike? Oh man. Um, you know, I'm really loving my community and it's something that, um, you know, up until 2020, I had a, a global community that I was able to plug into at all times. And uh, something really beautiful has happened, which is uh, I've been asked to stop in one place and go deeper with, with uh, specific people. And when I sat down and really asked myself, you know, where those people were at, it's um, uh, right now it's Austin, Texas. And so uh, what I'm really experiencing right now is really looking at uh, having more intentional connections and things like that and uh, really, really enjoying, uh, really enjoying that right now. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's it's really satisfying. Mm -hmm. So with those connections that we have in life, whether they be personal or professional, um, I recommend um, that we have an overarching mission that guides us in those connections. Um, so my question to you, Mike, is what is your personal mission? What is your mission here in this reality plane? Oh man, I have, I have a few different missions. And um, I, I, have, I have a mission that's oriented with my business, The Strong Coach, and it's to, uh, impact 100,000 coaches uh, is one of my missions. Um, inside of that uh, is, is, is a mission that's a little bit harder to add a metric to, which is uh, we're here to heal the fitness industry. And so we witness a lot of uh, what we might consider to be garbage or can be misleading for people in the fitness industry. And you know, a lot of us who are coaches made those mistakes. Um, And I almost hate to say garbage because it's, it's like, it's all part of our journey, right? It's, it's like, I can look at it now. I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't put that in my body, but 10 years ago, I I couldn't scoop it in fast enough. And so uh, really the idea is that we can level up the entire fitness industry by uh, improving education, by uh, teaching coaches, how to be better at getting their message out because the coaches that we attract are really high level and uh, they 
a lot of them aren't getting their message heard because they don't really know how to utilize marketing appropriately. And mm. once they start realizing that marketing is just meeting clients where they're at and they can bring them into the conversation, it's like, okay, we can actually help our clients skip all these steps that we had to go through painfully and maybe experience injury over or sickness or whatever it is. And then we had to work through that ourselves. And so uh, that's really the intention of what we do is to uh, help our coaches reach more people so they can help them uh, skip those steps. Um, and so that's, that's my mission with a strong coach. And then my personal mission in life is really to build stronger humans. And that's done through connecting people to spirit more, to getting them to connect to the land and to understand that their food comes from, you know, mother earth. And that um, if we're experiencing any disease, if we're experiencing any illness, it's, it, there's a lack of connection somewhere uh, with mm -hmm. spirit and with mother earth. And so it's, um, I have some, I have some ideas. I have some things I'm moving forward in regard to regenerative farming and to uh, helping connect uh, the average person, especially Americans, to back to the land and connecting them to that because uh, so much of what's causing disease right now is there's some simple solutions. I won't, I'm not, I won't say they're easy, but they are simple. Mm -hmm. So what, let's go into those. What are those solutions? Um, I mean, really, it it's, sounds cliche. I, it, some, there's some things I'm like, I hate to say things that sound cliche, but it's true. It's like getting in touch with nature is getting out of the city, going for hikes, connecting with our breath, um, uh, planting a plant and having, watching a plant grow and then eating the, the fruit of that plant, you know, uh, being... Uh, participating in the life cycle of uh, of you, of what makes you who you are. You know, if you're eating meat, go hunt food at some point. Go hunt your meat. Um, uh, I'm going to go on a cattle drive this spring. I'm going to go and and participate in the cycle of life that feeds me. And so uh, it's, I say it's. It's simple because it's like, oh, yeah, just get out in nature, spend more time, you know, go climb a tree or whatever. And but people won't do it and they won't and they don't do it because they don't actually believe it's going to make a difference. And so and that's where that's where it gets that's where the challenge comes in. And it, people are it's funny because anyone who's experienced being out in nature for, you know, go backpacking for five days and you're just like, oh my gosh, my system is so relaxed. I can breathe deeper. My, my whole, you can tell that you've gotten healthier in that five day period if you're coming from the city, mm -hmm. but people still want to hear all the reasons why, well, why is they, it's like, they don't believe it until some outside authority tells them that. Uh, it works, even if they witness it work on their own, right? And mm -hmm. so that's why I say getting people to connect to spirit, because once they connect to spirit, then they know, and they don't have to know all the reasons why that someone else made up. Uh, but in the meantime, that'll be my job, is to 
give them enough reasons why to try it out for themselves so they get to sit in their own knowing and connect with themselves and then they don't have to hear me tell them why anymore and uh mm-hmm. you know this is where you know we we have a we have a um one of the mental illnesses of our society right now is uh, scientism and so it's uh, it's if there's not some you know double blind placebo research study to prove that um going for a walk barefoot on the grass is good for you people won't do it mm-hmm. and so uh there's this people don't want to hear anecdotal information they don't want to hear wisdom from thousands of years that is sitting right in front of us and so um you know it's i go okay well i gotta connect people who are so bought into needing an outside authority to tell them how to live that i'll i'll play that part for a period of time until they until they recognize their own sovereignty and uh recognize their own wisdom, their own wisdom that exists inside of them. Mm -hmm. So how did you awaken this awareness within yourself, Mike? Um, So that you can now share that. Yeah, it was a, it was a really uh, painful process. Um, One filled, and it wasn't just one awakening. There's, it's like, uh, I, I, I talk to people and they go, Oh, I, you know, they talk about the awakening that they had. And I go, Oh, you've only had one. So like, there's more coming, uh, especially if you've had one. And, um, you know, I, you know, there's definitely some that stand out more than others, but the, the older I get, the more I realize there was all the little moments in my life that led up to right now. And it really came from, you know, the big ones that stand out is, you know, um, uh, becoming injured, becoming injured and uh, thinking that I had this, my ego had this belief that I was, because I knew how to train, because I knew how to eat, because I was taking all the right supplements, because I was doing all these things uh, and I was training with the best and all these things, there were all these I was, I was, I was totally bought into like the science of things of, you know, well, if I do this, then, uh, and you know, people do, pe- you know, some older guys are talking about to watch out for that, but they're, they don't know what they're talking about. Cause I'm more educated than I got a degree in this and this and that. And then I end up, uh, getting three hernias and going, I was like, okay, talk about humbling. I'm, I'm a guy who goes around the world podcasting about health and fitness and I get three hernias because I had poor breathing patterns. And not only that, I talked to people who were coaches that taught better breathing patterns and I totally ignored it because I was chasing podiums and I was chasing this and that and, uh, you know, having the injury, getting surgery thinking I was going to bounce back a lot faster than I thought I was going to bounce back, not bouncing back as fast as I thought I was going to bounce back, really learning how to breathe well again. And then in that, in that process of learning how to breathe again, uh, so that I will, 
that I, that I make my body really strong and resilient. So this never happens again. It was, you know, a six month process to, to teach my body how to breathe. Uh, and I wasn't really allowed to touch a heavy weight in during that time. And, um, yeah, just really started putting, you know, I, I took on the practice of becoming very sensitive. Like the idea of, I, I, I got present to the, the, the knowing that if I can't feel it in my body, I can't express it. I can't control it. So if there's a part of my body I can't feel, then I can't make it move. Or, and I, if I can't control it, then it's at risk of injury. And it's probable injury at some point down the road. So I started getting the practice of feeling my entire body when I breathe. Can I feel every inch of my body expand with each breath? Because when you breathe, your whole body is moving. Uh, it's not isolated to just one area. And it, even though at the extremities, it's so small that the average person would never notice, but can you? And the same with vertebrae when I'm training and when I'm moving, can I articulate each vertebrae separately? Can I stabilize and mobilize at will? And so really getting in the practice of that has made it to where I don't have to do all the stuff I believed I used to have to do. I don't have to train two or three hours a day. I don't have to kill myself and with high intensity all the time. I don't have to do all the stuff that we watch other people do. And the funny thing is, is, uh, and I, I've witnessed with some, with, uh, some very wise people and, um, I'm approaching the same thing, which is, it's like, Oh, why if these guys, if their training is so effective, then why don't we see them podium? I'm like, well, once you get to that point, you really lose interest in competition. Like the idea of needing to prove anything, like if you're still having to prove to yourself or anybody else, then, uh, then you're not in the practice, you know? And mm -hmm. so, uh, but when, when it really matters, I mean, I, I'm all about testing myself, right? I'm all about, but it's not, it's the tests I like to put myself through that are meaningful. Rarely is there a sport organized around that. And so, uh, yeah, getting to the point that I, um, I feel the healthiest I've ever been and strongest, not in the same ways, you know, I'm not going to go deadlift, but I used to deadlift right now, but I am much more capable as a human being. I'm much more resilient. Um, I may not be as good at, good at this one thing, but I'm better at a million things than mm -hmm. I was before. Um, I recognize the point of diminishing returns and move on. Um, mm -hmm. and so that all came from, you know, an injury that sidelined me for a period of time. And I've been able to help other people. You know, uh, we, we talk about, uh, the messages come and, uh, and the messages get louder and louder. You know, you've got the feather, the brick and the Mack truck. Mm -hmm. And the practice of being sensitive is hearing and feeling the feather. Because if I can feel the feather, I don't need to be taught a harsh lesson. It can be an easy lesson. But early in life, most people are running around, 
chickens with their heads cut off and they need Mack trucks mm -hmm. and I needed a Mack truck. So after a while I go, Oh, not only do I, the feather isn't just me being able to notice what's going on for me, but it's also listening to an older man over there speak and go, okay, he knows something. He's been here before already. I'm going to listen. Uh, and so that that's an example of, of one of the big awakenings I've had. I've had something similar happen in business where I got my, I thought I was, I was king shit. And then within a few months losing most of it. And, and, uh, and that was a beautiful process as well. Very, very similar. I don't, I don't know if you want to hear about that. Yeah, no, let's hear about it. And what, like, yeah, give us some more details on when that happened. Sure. Yeah, it was um, in about, t in 2015, I started partnering with a company to deliver a service. Um, and I'll see, leave some of the details out because, you know, <laughs> uh, we'll just leave it at that. But I started partnering with some people and, and people who know me, who are following me, they know who I like and who I may ignore. So uh, I partnered with some guys in 2015 to deliver a service. It went really well for a couple of years. And uh, two years in, we go, well, let's merge companies. Let's do a merger. And I was running the company as CEO and with the intention of merging and being the CEO of the new company. And as the merger became more imminent uh, and got closer and closer to the fall of 2017, I really, um, I got just got, I was waking up every day with this feeling of dread. And I was like, something's not right. Something is not right. And I, I called my business partner over to the house and I go, something's not right. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I feel it too. I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. And so, and so over the next two weeks after that conversation, there was back and forth of like, let's go ahead with the deal. It doesn't feel like we want it to feel, but let's go through with it anyway. There's too much money on the line and not just money on the line and that money that we could make it's money on the line that if we don't do this, we will, we're going to lose uh, a lot of money that we, uh, it was going to major be a major loss, millions of dollars lost. Not a, you know, not a little bit. The most I I was making the most I'd ever made in my life, and I was about to, you know, it was like I could lose this. You know, I've been working. I built this whole brand for years to be able to achieve this, and I'm about to just not do that. I'm just gonna like, wow, okay. And and I made a lot of sacrifices for that that position as well building that brand required a lot of sacrifice so it's not just money it's like everything that i had been uh, building up to that point was on the line and as uh, the deal became more imminent there were parts of the deal that started changing very quickly that really confirmed that feeling i was having and we did a last minute pull out and things got dirty real quick uh, I had to like two days later, catch a red eye to the other side of the country to hire lawyers and go to battle. And it, it got so, there was like 
uh, IT security issues that were happening from the other side. There was, it was something like out of a movie. I was like looking for cameras at different points. Um, and the result was that our revenue had took a, 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 a considerable hit because of that our reputation took a hit because in that process, um, our, our service took a hit and our ability to, to serve the clients, um, parts of the disagreement between me and the other party, uh, became public. Um, and I was, uh, not only was I worried about, and I had to fire like eight, eight team members in one day because the money just wasn't there anymore. And that all happened like in a matter of days. And then it took me about six weeks to stabilize the business, minimize the business, stabilize it, keep it going. It was great. It was fine. Um, it was a really beautiful process. I look back and I was like, what a beautiful process. There was so much growth that experienced that. Like so much healing for me with my warrior spirit happened during that period of time. Um, and, and also become being in recognition of, well, what created the situation, mm -hmm. you know, really sitting in reflection during that time and going and waking up every day. Like I was working sun up to sundown for about, it was about five weeks straight. I remember it was just five weeks, seven days a week, sun up to sundown. I was like cracking, I would wake up, crack up my laptop and make sure something horrible didn't happen. And I was, I was working to fix things until you know i went to sleep at night i was skipping all the fun parties and all that kind of stuff and in that time i, would, I remember just waking up in the mornings and reflecting on like every point in which i could have noticed that something was off that this deal was wrong mm -hmm. um and it i kept tracing it back and i go it fucking goes back to the very first meeting that we had the very first meeting we had, I could have sniffed it wrong, but I didn't mm -hmm. know because mm -hmm. I'd never had that experience before. And there's not a book that could have taught me to avoid this or that. Um, I do believe if I had had a, the right mentor at that time who I was meeting with weekly, mm -hmm. I, I may have still gone through with it, but it would have gone smoother. It would have ended sooner. Things wouldn't have gotten where they were. Had I been better at, had I had a mentor and was engaging humbly with a mentor, not the way I used to. I used to have some, some mentors, but I did not participate in the relationship as a humble student always. So I think that's, that in itself, you know, is, there, there's so many lessons I got out of that, but really learning to, that was a big lesson in using my intuition in business. Mm -hmm. When that feeling is off, that's, that's off, you know, or yeah. Like there was definitely a, an element of wanting to please others in, in the business deals instead of doing uh, what was in complete alignment with my own personal vision for my own life um, and really being aware of and demonstrating the values that we run our company through and then the boundaries that come with those, those values. Um, stuff, think those things are 
now so easy for me to establish and then also teach other people how to establish because, you know, up to that point, it was like, oh, yeah, you want to establish your core values for your business, you know, write down your mission statement, write down your core values. It's like the the how people teach that is what I from what I experienced was so poor. Mm-hmm. And now I look at it and go, this can be done much better. I have a process for this now. Yeah. So this never I- happens again. Absolutely. And it's, it's similar to your fitness situation for me. Um, you missed the feather and you missed the brick and you got hit by a Mack truck. Absolutely. And these are lessons now you're teaching uh, with the strong coach and the 100,000 coaches you aim to help improve. You mentioned there's a lot going wrong with the fitness industry. Let's just acknowledge those. What is going wrong, but also then what is going right about the fitness industry right now? Um. You know, it, the, the fitness industry is uh, it's such a big question. The, the fitness industry exists. <sighs> I mean, we have to talk about the health industry mm-hmm. if we're going to talk about the, the fitness sure. industry. And fitness. yeah, and there is um, people are really looking for quick solutions. They're uh, most trainers. Man, I, it's like, I don't even know where to start. Most trainers are, um, go into the business uh, thinking, I love having a good job. I mean, I love being in the gym. Um, I don't want to work some corporate gig. I love my life when I'm in the gym, so I'll go be in the gym. So they go in the gym to be a trainer because they think that that's just going to be the coolest job ever. Um, but all they know is working out. They don't know how to have a how to have a deeper conversation, how to find out what the client, why the clients are actually there. There are, most people are pursuing fitness with, from a perspective of deep psychological wounds. And uh, they, their insecurity is what's driving the ship and the insecurity is what ends up leading to injury. Or uh, people are setting goals that aren't even their goals. They're, they're setting goals that were their parents' goals. They're setting goals of some Instagram, whatever celebrity they're setting goals of like what for was for me back in the day was men's health magazine goals, but now it's Instagram goals. Um, people are out of touch with what's really driving their behavior and it's causing people to either overexercise and do a bunch of dumb stuff or, uh, under exercise, you know, not, not move enough and get into this psychological like depression about their life. And now they become, you know, couch potatoes. And so when I, when I look at the fitness industry and I just look at a lot of the products that are out there, it's really feeding on those insecurities instead of being able to um, and maybe that's where people have to start, you know, maybe they have to, to get the, the lose 10 pounds in 10 days with this special diet pill. Maybe that's where they have to start and then realize, well, that didn't work. That didn't give me long lasting results. So what, what I'm seeing is the marketing for the products that are shortcuts that are going to hurt our clients more than help them is much better than the marketing that is um, 
selling effective training, effective nutrition, uh, community relationships that are healthy, all this stuff. The marketing is weak there is because the people who are selling those things have spent so much of their time creating the best service, the best product. They, they haven't sat down and learned the marketing. The people who sell the most supplements are marketers. They're not nutrition experts. Um, you know, I, you can walk into a GNC, you can go online, you can find these products. They're very flashy. The promises are big. The guarantees are unrealistic. The, uh, and, and, the, and the profit margins are so high that they're able to, the, the products, the product, people don't know this, the products that they're buying, uh, say in regard to supplements, the, the markup on those things are over 50%. They're very, very high. It's such a, the supplement industry is such a competitive market because the, the margins are so thick. And so it's just a big marketing game. Now, trust me, I got nothing wrong with supplements. I take supplements every day. I love, I, there's, there are things missing from our food in the food system that, that makes supplements pretty much required if you're going to live, like optimize your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at my supplement bottles and you look at them, they're, they're pretty boring. They look boring, but they're very effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would say that there's the way the amount of attention that the BS gets is just really high. Um, and which drives this expectation for clients, people who are wanting to become healthier to believe that they should be able to get a result for a lot less uh, investment. So people expect a low dollar, low energy, low time investment. I want to, I want to get this result in a short period of time with minimum effort and for, and I want it to be cheap and people get the results of what they invest in. And so I think that um, one of the things that we could do better is really help people value their own health enough to invest in it appropriately. Mm-hmm. So what are all the things that you see that is right going on with the fitness industry and a lot of things that you're teaching your coaches? Yeah, it's actually, it, it, it's really cool. I think this last year is actually, uh, it's been interesting. It's been watching the divergence. It's watching people who, uh, the message of taking personal responsibility for your health has gotten um, louder. And because the, uh, the opposite has gotten louder, right? So we've witnessed people just throw up their hands and say, you know what, I, I, uh, I'm just going to let someone else take care of my health. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right. Just whatever mm-hmm. it takes to get back to normal. Yeah. And so for people who really understand health are going, Oh my God, this is, Oh, this is the crisis. This is, this is the, this is why we're here. And I'm really watching people, uh, step up and go, no, you're the only one who can, take care of your health. You're the one responsible. You are your doctor. And um, the that's one thing I'm seeing happen that's very, very right. Um, the I, uh, Because of 2020, things sped up. More things went online. And I'm witnessing a lot of coaches having to um, uh, innovate 
and go beyond, I'm going to count your sets and reps and I, what's going on in your life. And there's uh, programs like my program. There's programs like Enlifted. There's programs where people are learning more of the psycho, psycho-emotional aspects of what's going on with their clients. They're learning how to do proper goal setting. They're learning how to take them deeper. Um, I, I also think it's good. Uh, one of the good trends that we're seeing is people are getting out of the gym and finding ways to be healthy without having to go inside of this box and pick up this very set weight. Like it's a, you know, it's a barbell. It's always 12 inches off the ground and this and that. It's like, no, we're fill up some water jugs. That's what we're swinging around today. You know, it's, it's, it's people have had to get creative. And I think that's a really good thing. Um, I do think that people are, I think the influencer game is taking a hit. Uh, like I'm, I think people I've definitely had people call me an influencer and I almost kind of cringe. Um, but I guess I, I, I by, by definition, I'm an influencer, but I look at it, I go, wow, if people stop, you know, when people start being scared for their life and they stop paying attention to the booty shots so much and they start actually listening to people who are putting out good information because they go, Oh shit, I need to change my lifestyle. Um, I think that's a great thing. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel a, a lot of momentum. Um, and I'm also watching a lot of people. You know, one of the threats that we have coming upon us right now is uh, our food system is is much more fragile than, than people are aware. And they're becoming more aware that it's fragile. And it's never been exposed before. Like it's getting exposed right now. So... I think that there's going to be, there's a divergence. There's a group, the the majority of the mainstream, the majority of people um, are just going to take what they're given. You know, it's like, whatever you got, I'll take it. It's probably the bare minimum, but you're going to tell me it's the best. So that's what I'll, I'll take. And then you're going to have people who go, no, I'm taking personal responsibility for my own life, my own health. I'm actually going to find out what the best, best thing is for me. And so I see a lot of, uh, in the future, I see a boom in regenerative farming. Um, I see, I've had more conversations. I've been studying and looking at regenerative farming for 10 years now. I was introduced to it when I uh, read Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan. Mm-hmm. And um, I visited farms since then. I, it's always, you know, I started shopping for my food differently when I, when I read that book. And over the last year, uh, the, the movie Kiss the Ground came out and just the amount of conversations I've been able to have with people who are aware that this is a thing and want to get involved and in one way or another is is really, really beautiful. So um, I am seeing a movement towards a promotion of eating whole foods. Uh, you know, there's seems to be less, uh, you know, it's like I'm seeing a lot of people promote whole foods. Uh, sunlight, fresh air, uh, you know, barefoot in the grass for your health and less flash with supplements. And maybe I'm in an echo chamber, but uh, that that's, I, I am seeing that in ways that I've never seen before. Um, mm-hmm. And even if it is small, it is happening. Absolutely. It's interesting how Michael Pollan was talking about that, like well over a decade ago. And it's mm-hmm. finally just getting momentum now. The, the thing that he's talking about a lot now is psychedelics and the power of psychedelic medicines 
um, which is slowly um, gaining traction, but it'll be like, just like the Whole Foods now, it'll be like 10 years before that becomes mainstream at, at the minimum. Um, what role has psychedelics played in your journey, Mike? Um, it played a major role. Um, I've had, um, they've sped up. I, I would say that psychedelics have sped up the processes for healing myself. I would say sped up processes for healing and insight. And usually insight follows healing, right? People, people want the insight, but don't realize that what's keeping them from having that insight that's just sitting there is some type of trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, my first uh, uh, intentional psychedelic experience with mushrooms was very healing, very enlightening. I got a, I got a big smack in the face uh, about... Uh, I had the realization that uh, I'm actually responsible for everything in my life up until that point. I was able to sit in that place of having gratitude for everyone's contribution to everything that's great in my life, from my parents, my friends, my grandparents, all of that, to recognizing how I had made things difficult for me. (laughs) I uh, was responsible for I was given so many gifts and when, if I didn't like what was going on, it was, I can, I can find my role in, in creating that situation. And so, yeah, my first psychedelic experience having uh, a tremendous amount of insight around, around what I was responsible for and re- re- recognizing that it's everything. Now, here's the thing. Someone may, may hear that and go, well, I still want to blame some other people for things. And I definitely have the tendency to do the same thing. Even if it is someone else's fault, it, the moment you blame someone else, you lose the ability to make an impact on that situation. You lose control. You give up control. You give up power. And so whether and truth is a really funny thing and whether it's true or not i'm going to live my life from a place that i'm responsible when i do that my life gets better and the lives of the people that i surround myself with get better so i'm going to do that um so that was a very enlightening thing so i also saw i uh where in my first there was two big lessons I got in my first mushroom experience. And that was, that was the personal responsibility. And the second one was that I recognized that I was a very poor listener. I was a very good talker, uh, but I was a very poor listener. I had no humility. I, um, I knew all the answers and if someone disagreed with me, they must have been an idiot because they didn't have all the information because I did. And um, that didn't make me an idiot. That actually, there, like, there's always a gift in the shadow and things. And because I always prided myself on being so knowledgeable, I did. I was a good student of learning skills and knowledge and all that. But it kept me from learning directly from certain people. And uh, 
I was viewing the world from a place where I was above certain people and other people were below me and other people were above me and I could only listen to the people that were above me but never below me. And there's a lot of people below me in my mind at that point. And having this realization, I was, I had not listened to my, my wife at the time. I did not listen to my mom. I did not listen to my clients. I did not, I wasn't listening to anybody. And this was back in 2013. And I went home for the first time after that experience. And I listened to my wife at the time. And in five minutes, she was crying because she was having the experience of being listened to. And even though we were married, I had never actually really listened to her. And, uh, and she didn't know why she was crying. <laughs> and which was, I was going, it was very enlightening for me uh, in that moment. And after that, I really took on, um, I, I in, immediately became a better listener because I shut up and I actually listened. But then I took it a step further and I started signing up for communications courses and reading books on communication. And some of the books I had read before that moment, like how to win friends and influence people, all of a sudden, a lot of the, those words actually meant something to me now mm -hmm. versus just an intellectual masturbation going on with, with that content. I actually could feel it instead of just know it in my head. Mm -hmm. could you have gotten to this place without the use of psychedelics um so that that was my first psychedelic experience and i've mm -hmm. had over a hundred since yeah and could i have gotten to that without these psychedelics absolutely and a lot of the lessons i've learned with psychedelics i could have learned without them in fact, you could say that everything I've ever learned, I could have gotten there. Um, but I don't think that I would have gotten through as many as I have in this lifetime. Um, what I've learned in, I guess it's been eight years of yeah. using psychedelics. Um, I don't think I would have learned in 40. And so, especially with some of the healing that I've received and, and, um, it's one thing to have those insights I just talked about. And it's another thing, the time I've spent in South America with, with Yahe, or it's also called ayahuasca, where there is healing that is so obviously ancestral that it, and so deep that I, I can say with confidence, I, I don't think I would have gotten there mm -hmm. in this lifetime. And the, the other piece is I tried a lot of things prior to my first mushroom experience, I was trying to meditate. I was trying to journal. I was, I, was, I attended some courses. I did some things, but I couldn't, I couldn't. And I wasn't, I want to say couldn't, but I, I wasn't able to put into practice everything that was going on. It was a very slow process. There was a lot of, there was a lot of things in the way and after that first psychedelic experience, it's like there was, I was shown why, why it's good to meditate every day. Go, oh, yeah. now I know why to meditate. And once I had that why, it made it way easier to follow through with it. So 
it's not just the psychedelics. It's everything that it, it, it amplifies. It's an amplifier. And, and it's the practices that happen in between the ceremonies that, that make the difference. Mm-hmm. So now that you've taken a look behind the veil with your over 100 um, experiences, are you able to guide your 100,000 coaches to that point where you got without needing um, the psychedelics? Or is that a part of the process you recommend for all your coaches? That's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, so <clears throat> when I first got in the, uh, the first few years of using psychedelics and having gone to South America and having this experience that changed my life so incredibly, um, I, I, at that time, felt that everybody should do it. And mm-hmm. while also recognizing that everyone could not do it. But there was a period of time where I was a, a very big advocate for for the use of psychedelics um since then i've become less of an advocate of other people using them uh if someone feels called to it i'm I'm an advocate for that yes Mm -hmm. find a find a a solid guide someone you feel safe with all that stuff i am an advocate for the use of psychedelics um the way i would have suggested to do it years ago and the way i would suggest now are even different I'm, I'm way less aggressive now. I'm much more conservative, just like training, just like business, just like everything else. It's like, all right, let's start small. We don't need to go crazy. Like, let's just start with a little bit of mushrooms. We don't need to like go straight to ayahuasca or DMT or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm not, so I am an advocate if someone feels called in the right conditions. Um, and the majority of what I teach is, was only possible because of psychedelics. I, I've had people go, wow, where did you learn that? And I go, oh, his mother ayahuasca taught me that. That was, that was not, that didn't come from a book or a person. That was, that was from ceremony. So um, I, I believe that people who are called to things like ayahuasca are here to be uh, the messengers of that wisdom and not everyone needs to sit with it. Hey there. So I, dro- I dropped off there for a second. That's all right. Um, but yeah, you're talking about Mother Ayahuasca. I'm just going to fix my camera. Okay, yeah. so let's just, I don't, I don't, is there anything else you had to say about that? I don't know. I kind of got lost. You kind of froze and then okay. I kind of got lost. So we could just, we could transition I, to another topic. Or I, is think, there something? I, I think it followed through and recorded. And so, okay, I, perfect. and so you'll be able to snag that and edit it if you want. And, and we'll, All right. We'll, I think I, I was complete on that. Okay, excellent. But so, one, well, one thing I will add to that is just, and I did say it, but I want to reiterate, which is uh, for the people who feel called to it, a lot of times we're the, we're the ones that are supposed to pass the wisdom down. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not for everybody to have to go through that. It's a very rigorous journey. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's I not agree. For everyone. Yeah. Have you so done it? Early? Have you done that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, you yeah, know that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
we talked about mentors earlier and you talked about in the past, you didn't use mentors as you use them now. So let's talk about mentors in your life. Um, who are some notable mentors that have la- left the last impact on you? And what were your key lessons you've learned from them? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I, uh, the people that I look at to as mentors now, pointing at a very specific key thing that they taught me is, is just uh, very difficult. And uh, I, I, I spent years when I was with a Barbell Shrug, I spent five years traveling the world, interviewing the experts and finding a lot of different mentors. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, it was like, oh, teach me your method. And then it was, oh, I see how these methods all are similar because they are operating from the same principles. I go, oh, teach me your principles. And I go around asking mentors to teach me their principles. And I go, wow, a lot of these principles are very much all the principles that really are solid that I've tested myself. They're, they're very good. Um, but they're very much the same. They're, they're just using different words at times to describe the same principle. Okay. Got it. Okay. There's, there's actually very few principles that are, that are at play in uh, getting results uh, in this universe. I go, okay. And so then I learned these principles and then uh, I started studying and go, well, the principles are simple, but it's the application of the principles. So we're going back to the methods, right? You think about that and the method is the application of these principles, but it's not really that way because the way that the, the mentor, the teacher teaches his method with words is not where the it's not where the uh, wisdom is at. Mm-hmm. It's how the mentor lives their life by those principles and really studying mm-hmm. their way of being. So what's it, it becomes difficult to go, all right, well, what did this guy teach me or that guy? Mm-hmm. So uh, somebody I really look up to is uh, Paul Check. Yeah. And Paul is, I remember the first time I, I hung out with him, it was, five and a half hours and you know, two and a half of those five and a half hours were during in, in an interview. And there was another three where we just stood in the kitchen, smoking bags and uh, bags of herbs and just jamming. Like just, I asked him a question and he would just fill me with truth for for 20 minutes, I ask another question, another 20 minutes. It's like, geez, I remember going home that day and I didn't really know what to think about this guy. All I knew is that I was in awe and I go, I don't even really, I couldn't even understand it. I was like, I don't know what just happened. I, it felt like a journey, right? I was like hanging out with Paul for five and a half hours, like an ayahuasca journey. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? And I had this routine when I would get home. I would have this routine of like what I would do when I would come in the house and and what I would, you know, before bed and all that kind of stuff. I get home that day. I didn't do my routine at all. It was just like a brush my teeth, fall in bed, go to sleep. And I wake up the next morning and I go, 
I get it now. Like it took me a night's rest for for my my brain to defrag and really get what was going on. I go. What makes Paul so great is he is honest. And I had never met a man that was more honest than he was with me that day. And he had nothing to hide and he was living with ease because he was honest. There was, there was not a, there was, he never had a hesitation of, should I, should I? I share this or shouldn't I share this? And I didn't realize that people were living with that until I saw somebody who was not living with that. And I go, holy shit. Okay. So I learned to be more honest in that, in that day. And he never said those words to me in that Mm -hmm. conversation. He was being honest. So I learned how to be more honest with myself and with others. Because the stories he told were stories of his honesty with himself. It was very vulnerable shares. And I go, wow, that's what it's like to be honest with yourself. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. And by him just sharing this with me right now, that's being honest with somebody else. When they ask a question, you don't give them an answer. You give them the best answer you can give them. That's honesty. Mm -hmm. So when, since since we have this, this train of you being inspired by honesty, let's hear um, your foundational principles um, at these four elements. So let's hear your foundations for your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, and your spiritual health um, from a place of ruthless honesty um, of sharing to help others listening grow. All right. uh, Physical health. My principles Mm-hmm. Okay. And sleep. Sleep is paramount. I, um, I make it as dark as possible. I take my mouth shut at night. So mm-hmm. I, I breathe through my nose. Uh, when I do travel, I have a blackout mask. I invest in a good mask. And I hardly ever, hardly, hardly. I mean, I, I think I woke up with an alarm clock twice in 2020. Um, but I don't rush out of bed. I wake up and I get out gently and I get out gently out of bed. Um, and I also, if it's, if it's a workout or sleep, I sleep, sleep. If I'm tired, I sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't want to drink another coffee whatever so listening to my body to rest when it's supposed to rest doing more will not be more effective so a a principle a principle i live my life by in every aspect uh, whether it's physical mental emotional spiritual is i value effectiveness over efficiency and efficiency is doing the thing right and effectiveness is doing the right thing. That's a quote from Peter Drucker um, in regard to business, but that applies to everything. Um, uh, efficiency is getting a lot done in a short period of time. Effectiveness is doing the, the right thing at the right time, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, a mistake that a lot of people make is 
being efficient with your physical body may mean getting up at 6 a.m. and doing that workout, no matter how you feel, but that may not be effective. So really zooming out on life and going, what is more effective here? Even though now if someone has, you know, they, if they're, if they don't really have their warrior spirit online, if they don't, if they're not getting shit done, sometimes that person needs to get up at 6 a.m. and do that workout no matter what for a period of time. Right. But that's not a physical health thing. That's a mental health thing. Uh, and so um, yeah, sleep is paramount. Uh, I really am sensitive and I tune into my body and really am in the habit of listening to what my body says. Uh, digestion is paramount. If I, if I shit strange, then I'm checking in with what did I eat in the last six to 24 hours that was different, mm -hmm. you know, always mm -hmm. tracking, not making too many changes at once. You know, small tweaks allow me to know what's making the biggest difference, what's having what effect, right? Being effective. So um, that's important. Um, I, I, uh, I talked earlier about breath and my, my vertebrae and being able to, to modulate and control each one. Um, these things are all things that have led to more athleticism uh, and being more effective mentally and emotionally too. Um, is that good enough for physical? Yeah, that's great for physical. Now, how about mental? How do you, um, keep your brain enriched? So this is so much fun. Cause I, I actually, uh, um, Oh, by the way, I want to share my dream I had with you for the listeners before the show ends. I, I sure. got a, I got a message last night that I was okay. supposed to share. And so, okay. Um, mental is, man, talk about, I know everybody has this because I work with people is I have it too, which is I wake up and then my mind is like, bing, 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 bing. And some days it's like, my mind is worried about things that I don't want to happen. Sometimes I am waking up with some type of regret of something I did or said, or, Sometimes I wake up with um, fantasies of like grandeur of like things I want to accomplish in the future. Uh, but there's a lot there every day. And it's sometimes, sometimes I wake up and it's spot on. You know, I wake up, my mind is like step one, step two, this is what we're doing today. I'm going to achieve. Yes, that happens. But that that I have to wrangle uh, the other days. And so, and those days happen because I'm really good at the days it's not happening. So the days that doesn't happen, I wake up, I drink my glass of water. I, I, do, uh, I, do, a move, I do a movement session. I, I rotate every joint. So we're going back to physical a little bit and I'm breathing. I've got 15, 20 minutes of just breathing and moving. And then I get my body opened up and then I sit down when my body is at ease, my mind can be at ease. And mm -hmm. I sit down and I journal mantras. So I have goals. I have, and, and our mind is made up of symbols, right? The, the mind is P 
pictures. It's pictures of, it might be a landscape that you can view when you close your eyes or it's symbols that mean something, letters, words. So I train my mind every day. I wrangle it. I call wrangling the mind. I wrangle my mind with words. And so I write down, for instance, by April 1st, 2021, 300 coaches are engaged in the strong coach community. I have a, I have a strong coach community platform. Um, we just launched it six weeks ago. But wherever my mind is going, even if it's in the right direction in the future, I might be 10 years in the future in my mind that morning. I still got to figure out what I'm going to do today, <laughs> right? And I've got benchmarks of success set up for me in the future. There's benchmarks. And for me to spend too much time beyond that benchmark will not serve me. It will not serve getting to that future state. I need to focus on the next step. So the next step is 300 coaches are in there, right? Mm -hmm. So I sit down, I put pen to paper, I write this down and I start training my mind to no matter where it was before. Well, before I do that, I, I usually write down if something's really on my mind, I write it down, I just stream of consciousness. Then yeah. I go, okay, now I'm wrangling my mind and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. I'm up, I, I have 12 statements right now. It shifts. Sometimes, sometimes something comes, becomes so true that I can just take it off the list. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm so inspired that I put something new on the list. And sometimes I'm so desperate for change in that area of my life that I create a new mantra and that goes on the list. So it's ever evolving. And so for me, when I do that, whether I feel like shit in the morning or whether I feel like I'm on top of the world or whether my girlfriend, I wake up and she's just chatting in my ear right off the bat. I'm just like, oh, or whatever it is. When I get down to my pad and paper and because I, I do my movement, I sit on my pad and paper and then I put in work. Mm -hmm. I put in, I put in effective work. I work on the thing that's going to be make the, 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 effect I want to have in my life at a time. So um, that's how I, that's how I manage the mental game. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example of one of those mantras on your paper that spoke to you loud this morning? Oh, well today, today was easy. Today was like, psh, I'm on top of the world. I'm inspired. I got some next steps that I know I'm going to achieve in the next three months. And I, and I connected some dots. So I, today was one of those good days. I didn't have to wrangle too hard. Um, so, uh, so the one that I've added to here most recently is I complete projects mm -hmm. because, uh, and that was, uh, I started that one made my list about 10 days ago because of desperation. I was in, uh, I was having dreams. You know, most of my mantras come from dreams these days. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're very, it's beautiful. So I, I woke up and I was like, I've been frustrated with me taking some projects, 80% there and not getting them over the line. And I'm suffering because of that. My mind is suffering because of that. So I'm going to start completing projects. So the mantra is I complete projects. 
every day. And I notice it takes me uh, every day putting like one that's probably going to come off the list soon is I am consistent. Yeah. Uh, that one went on my list in about November. Mm-hmm. And man, I've become very consistent. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things like, oh, that one could probably come off, but not yet. I want to like, I want to ingrain that so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to emotions now. So how do you attend to your emotional health? Um, you mentioned earlier that a lot of our problems, generally for most addictions of some sort, are rooted in pain and that pain is rooted in trauma. Yeah. How do you attend to your emotional health? Uh, a lot of it's through breath. It's really noticing where there's restriction in the body because emotional trauma shows up in the body. So really being aware of that is it's like um it's pointed out yeah uh, like i and, and we all have tendencies so my my liver that's part of my body on my right side tends to get a little inflamed and tight and it's because mm-hmm. i i tend to store anger so uh most people would know me wouldn't know that i was an angry guy but uh i was definitely uh uh unhealthy uh, version of anger would show up in my life 10 years ago. Now I have practices to manage that. Uh, I, I allow myself to scream loudly on mm-hmm. occasion and, uh, you know, I, I'll scream into a pillow. Um, if I'm in the outdoors backpacking with a bunch of guys, man, sometimes we'll just fucking start letting it loose, like just blood curdling as loud as you possibly can. Um, I've, I've had practices where you really tap into like, you really take yourself back to a moment of original trauma and like really get to where you release that. And so there's, um, there's what I would call like hygiene practices and then there's healing practices. So like Mm -hmm. a healing for me, healing happens in plant medicine ceremony it happens when i'm working with a healer and we may be working through some type of emotional wound that i had and it could happen even in talk therapy um but for hygiene you know it's like yeah i'm gonna go out and let out some fucking yells every once in a while and Mm -hmm. um and i'm also going to notice when there's stuck energy in my body and i'm gonna sit in meditation and I'm going to just feel it. I'm going to let it get big. I might find myself in tears. I'm like, I am fucking, I'm just sad. Mm-hmm. I am really, really sad. Um, and so one of the things that I do, if I'm having a hard time sleeping, is I'll sit in bed and I'm just, I practice feeling what I'm feeling. It's like, oh, what do I feel? Oh, I'm going to feel that. I feel happy. I feel sad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, if I'm, if there's an emotion that's extremely present, I'll just sit with that. It might be 30 minutes. I'll lay in bed, sit with it, really feel it. This isn't depression, folks. Depression is when, is when you're depressing it, and and you still feel like shit. Like I feel it all the way through, and then half hour later feel amazing. So, uh, that that may be a little less tactical what people want to hear but the thing about emotions is uh, you know like the word emotion comes from the word uh the latin word emoter which 
means energy in motion. And so um, if uh, uh, the thing about, about energy is, and uh, is it, you're not going to be able to put language to it. Like we try to, we try to use that mental construct to create a box to describe what's happening emotionally. Um, but it's to describe energy. You just, you're never going to do it. You have to mm -hmm. feel it. And so mm -hmm. that, I think that's why the practices are can be a little less tactical. It's like, yeah, sit and feel it. It's like, well, I don't know what that means. It's like, yeah, it's going to take some practice if you like don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And then this is where having a guide to take you through some trauma work can be helpful because then you gain the tools to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And now lastly, your spiritual practices, the foundations to your spiritual being, uh, well-being. <sighs> um, to me, everything is spiritual. There's, mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, being pre being present in the moment, uh, being in nature. Um, uh, if, if you look at the root word of nature, it, uh, you get back to spirit as well. So spending time, uh, in nature is, is probably the biggest one. Um, communing with, with plant medicine and sitting with, uh, the plants and feeling, uh, the messages that are coming through sitting in that knowing, um, also a lot of, uh, a lot of education that I've gone through around certain understandings. And, and uh, I would say that the last few years of my life, really a lot of the, the spiritual fluff I've cut away, um, and it's a lot more of uh, sitting in meditation. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 it's not, it's not fancy. It's not, uh, it's really being present and just knowing um, that being, being in the surrender of the universe and all that is happening. And while also uh, seeing my, my place in it and, and participating in the dance. Yes. And there's also a lot of interdimensionality amongst all these practices because a physical practice can expand beyond the prince of physical into mental, emotional, and spiritual. Um, and everywhere's in between because it, it, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all one thing. And that one thing yeah. is right now. Yeah. Um, so in the right now, in this present moment, what is the greatest life lesson that you've learned on your path? that speaks to you today that you'd like to share with the audience, your biggest lesson through all the highs and lows that is life. What has been your greatest takeaway thus far that resides with you right now? That's a, there's a paradox um, that I've, I've been playing with um, and Anyone who's played with paradox before, uh, the, the being able to hold two things as as true simultaneously that seem to be opposite, and um, and then at some point it merges and and the paradox goes away, 
And then people who are living in the paradox, it, it can seem uh, silly. So one thing, uh, I guess, as I'm talking about that, that's exactly what I was present, I was present to, which is the practice of being able to hold paradox. And the, the specific paradox that uh, I'm holding right now is um, the becoming in full acceptance of the way things are. And um, while also sitting in the truth that things are always changing. Mm -hmm. So how can I accept things exactly the way they are fully? How can I have a full acceptance while also knowing that it's changing? And um, the way I practice that is uh, I, I've had a lot of difficult moments. Uh, as you know, it, it, plant medicine ceremonies can be a great place to practice uh, difficulty, to practice death, you know, difficulty so deep that it's that you're practicing death. And uh, in those moments, in those spaces where it seems like I get into that place where I just want it to end. I just want it to stop. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to give up. Is going to a place, and this could be happening in my business. This could be happening during a Spartan race. This could be happening during a cold plunge, right? Is accepting that this moment, this feeling, this experience that I'm experiencing right now, getting to the level of acceptance that I go, okay, God, if this is what I'm meant to feel for eternity, then I accept it and I love it. Mm -hmm. So really getting to that level of acceptance, not, not the level, like to me, it's a, uh, this too shall pass is a cop out. It's a, that's like a level one It's a level one, like dealing with discomfort, you know, that's for, uh, but level two, three, four, you know, I, I've had that level and that level served me to get me where I'm now, but the level now is this is eternity right now. Mm -hmm. And I am in full acceptance of this, no matter how painful, if I feel sick, if my neck hurts, if I'm in the middle of combo ceremony and I'm throwing up, like this is right now, right now is forever. And if mm -hmm. this stays the same, I love it just the same as if I'm in that bliss. Mm -hmm. And then watching that, that moment pass and then transition is something completely different. And, and so holding the, being able to be present enough to accept each moment mm -hmm. and to the same degree as I accepted the previous or the next moment, that's to me, it's, it's, it's being able to hold the paradox of witness, like being able to be present enough to accept what is and what is what, uh, yeah, from moment to moment, even as I'm talking about it, like it's when, when you start talking about paradox, it, it can be hard to put words to because to hold that means that you have there's something in the mind hasn't connected yet. If you can't mm -hmm. hold the paradox, like there's there's missing gaps. So even as yeah. I talk about it, like I'm discovering things about it. So I, I, I'm in 
deep appreciation for you and for the listeners for just holding space while I, while I have that conversation. Absolutely. And what I took away from that is it's all happening for you. It's all happening for you. Um, So to close, I ask every guest three questions um, and I'm going to get to those now and then we'll end with your dream. I'm not going to forget about that. We'll close (laughs) with your dream. Okay. So you, t- you mentioned love a lot in that response and we've talked about mm-hmm. love throughout the podcast and so many people are saying like love is what we need more of in this world but what is love i would like to ask that to each guest so i can better attune to that frequency myself what does love mean to you mike um you know uh, lo- love is one of those things where it's, it will be difficult to put words to, um, but I think that just like there's le- levels, I, I put levels and stages on things, but like level one love is acceptance, uh, removing judgment from a person or ourself or an experience or a moment or whatever it is and and accepting it and going, I, I give up judgment on this and I, I fully accept it and then and like another step in the direction of love is is not just accepting it but embracing it and going all in on it and saying this is this is uh i'm not just not judging it i am loving it Mm -hmm. and um to me that that's it that's the, it's say it's not a feeling it's a it's a choice it really being you know that feeling i get with my in my chest when i'm with my girlfriend and i'm like overwhelmed with bliss it's like yeah it's that's blissful and there's a lot of other chemical surging there and whatnot but this this love Love is a choice that expands. And uh, yeah, that's all I say. got to say about that. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so in three words, how will you describe the experience you're having on this earth, Mike? <laughs> um, can you repeat that again? In three words, how will you describe the experience you are having on this earth? learning uh, adventure challenge learning adventure challenge yeah so for the final question um I'm going to do a little magic. I believe we are all magicians. We have the ability to create great change in our realities. And I'm going to create change in our reality. I'm going to fast forward us into the future. I'm going to fast forward us to an 85-year-old Mike Bledsoe. I want you to picture that 85-year-old in your mind. What does he look like? What is the life he lives? What is the life he has lived? And what is the legacy that he's left behind? He's still a pretty strong guy. Um, 
<laughs> um, living out on some farmland uh, with a small community nearby. Um, he's, uh, he's a leader. He has uh, worked his life developing other leaders to uh, that, that lead from their hearts and has participated in the transformation of uh, the health industry, the food industry, the medical industry. Um, and uh, enjoys taking a back seat and letting other people get on stage. Um, yeah, some people think he's crazy. Most people think he's crazy, but uh, some people know he's on to something. Mm -hmm. Anything else there? I, I don't know. No, I, okay, yeah. I want you to stay with this 85 year old Mike. I want you to feel him in your being right here, right now. That leader who's still strong, that's still active, that has developed other leaders, that has developed community. He's living on his farmland from a place rooted in his heart. So I want you to feel what this 85 year old Mike feels like, because I'm not gonna leave you. We're not gonna stay in the future. We're gonna come back to the now, the ever present moment here. And that 85 year old Mike, he sends you a message for your journey here. What does he send you? What does he whisper in your ear? <laughs> One foot in front of the other, keep going. Keep going. Simple. <laughs> I love that. So that is the last of my questions. And it takes us to your dream that you've been called to share from the universe, from some other, who knows what that was, that, that blessed you with this knowledge, this wisdom to share. But let's hear it. What is this dream to close this episode? <sighs> yeah, there were, in this dream, there were, I had made friends with this little girl, her name is Sabrina, and she's about nine years old. And uh, uh, there's a, uh, another girl and her father come along, and this other little girl's name is Olivia. And she's 15, and they start playing together. They're playing soccer. And the soccer ball goes way off in the distance and Olivia, the, the older girl runs out and she kicks the soccer ball and it just soars really far and high. And Sabrina, the nine-year-old, she goes, Whoa, and her mind is just blown that somebody could kick a soccer ball like that. And she looks at me and she says, I'll never let what I believe about my own life set the context for what's possible. And, uh, and it was just like, I, that phrase was running through my mind and my dreams. And then in my dream, I was writing this story in my journal and I was 
watching the letters form and uh, I woke up and I, that's exactly what I wrote down as I wrote down that story um, with, with that message. And uh, I, I believe that message was for me uh, in being, being more intentional with the context in which I am living my life. And also for my students who get to hear it. And for everyone listening here, that, that message is for, if you're listening to this, this message is for you. That's 100% true because it came in last night knowing this is the only, you know, this is, this is, this was the only thing on my calendar to do today was this show. Mm-hmm. So it's for you. Thank you so much. Um, it's been a privilege to have you on, to share your story, to s- share your message. Um, there's so much more we could talk about. I look forward to future conversations with you. Um, for people wanting to learn more about you and follow you on your journey, your podcast, your strong course coach, where can they find you? Yeah. So, you know, if it, no matter what, you can, you can go find me on Instagram, Mike underscore blood. So I have a, on there, there's a link to my telegram, um, I think everyone's aware that social media has gotten a little weird in the last year. So I'm using a different plot. I'm always posing on Instagram, but not everyone knows this, but only 3% of your followers see your posts. So even if you're following me on Instagram, you may not see everything I post, but if you click on that telegram button there and you have that app installed, you're going to see everything. You're going to get an opportunity to see everything that I post. Um, And we can also get into conversations. We can DM. I answer all my DMs on Instagram um, and also all my messages on Telegram. Uh, So you can find me there. If you're a coach and you want to build your coaching business, go to thestrongcoach.com. We have a community that of coaches there and uh, that are on the same page. Like if you, if this message resonated with you, there's a whole group of coaches that we have everything from sales workshops to drum circles in the community. Okay. So if that resonated with you, you get two weeks free, just at the strongcoach.com two weeks free. We want people to try it out, find the value that's there. It's one of those things where you get in there and you go, Oh, this is, I should just obviously be here. We want to make it where nobody would ever want to leave because they're getting so much value out of it. Um, so those are, that's the big thing. Um, and I also have another company training camp for the soul, which is specifically geared towards emotional trauma work. So if you were listening to this and go, wow, I've got some emotional trauma I need to heal. Then uh, training camp for the soul.com is, uh, is there for you. And again, you can just hit me up on Instagram, start DMing. We can see what, uh, what it is that you might want to participate in. Right on. Thank you so much. To close all episodes, we bring our fist in for digital fist bump into the winner's circle, a choice we could all make to embrace that process. Thank you so much. Um, I'm wishing you a beautiful day ahead. One step in front of the other. Keep on going.